Red Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And once again, it is midweek time here on the Owl Chat Podcast. We are in the midst of our second bye week, so we have got no press conference to go over again no football game to talk about from last week or one to preview this week that being said we've got plenty of good stuff coming for you on this edition of the midweek update including our interview with ksu donor carrick martin who serves on the kennesaw state university athletic association board and as the vice president of the ksu alumni association excuse me so We'll have that at the end of the episode, talk about a bunch of things going on within the athletic department, including the $200 million fundraising plan, um, and get a take from somebody on the inside. That being said, John, how are you doing this week? Man, I am doing well. I think you covered everything. So I I say we just, you know, Carrot gave us a long interview, so I say we just jump right into it with the flyover. Absolutely. So we'll start as always, with soccer. Uh, the girls made two stops in Tennessee this past week, first playing Austin P to a 0-0 tie because they are called ties in college soccer, according to the NCAA, and almost earning the same result with first place Lipscomb. Even though Lipscomb outshot KSU 23-4, the game was tied all the way up until the 77th minute when Lipscomb's Marcella Cash put the Owls away. Uh, score would be a final of one to nothing. Uh, things will get interesting this last week. Only the top eight teams qualify for the ASUN tournament in women's soccer, and the Owls currently sit in 10th place with only one game remaining. There are a few scenarios where the Owls jump into that top eight. The one that has that KSU has the most control over is also the more unlikely scenario. A win over Queens on Saturday by four or more goals and either a Stetson loss or a North Florida loss would give our girls the eighth seed. The other and more likely scenario is a KSU win versus Queens by any amount and both a Stetson and North Florida loss. Stetson plays Florida Gulf Coast, who sits at third in the A-Sun, so we're hoping that swings the FGCU way. But North Florida, who we would also need to lose, plays Jacksonville, who currently sits in last place and is still without a conference win. The Kennesaw State-Queens game will take place in Charlotte this Saturday at 1 p.m. to conclude the regular season and possibly the entire season. Um, Then getting into golf, the men's team was out of action, but they will host the Pine Tree Intercollegiate Tournament this week in Kennesaw. Um, The women's team was also out of action, but Nia Kelly was named the Atlantic Sun Women's Golfer of the Week after her performance in last week's tournament. Um, And they will get a trip to Hawaii this week for the Rainbow Wahine Invitational in Honolulu. As for tennis, tennis had a pretty busy week. The men's team had eight participants at the ITA Southeast Regional Championship, highlighted by who else but Raul Garcia making a run to the round of 16 in singles. And then he and Harvey Conway made a run to the round of 16 in doubles, including a win over the number one seed out of the University of Florida. The men's team will be out of action until the Wofford hidden duel on November 3rd. As for the women's team, they had a successful weekend. They competed down at the Georgia Southern Fall Shootout in the special place that is Statesboro, Georgia. Uh, KSU sent six players to the tournament and returned with six doubles victories and five singles victories. Starting the day off, starting the day of this recording, the women's team will be competing in the ITA regionals themselves, and that will continue through October 23rd. John, go ahead with the volleyball rundown. Yeah, we have a 2-0 week for volleyball. Well, a 3-0 if you're going to lump in last week's midweek that we already talked about. But uh, Kennesaw State women's volleyball beat North Alabama 
on Friday and then Central Arkansas on Sunday. Uh, North Alabama is now three and five after the weekend. Central Arkansas is 0 and 8. The Owls are moved to 11 and 8 overall and 4 and 4 in conference. Um, the Owls have had some injuries. Uh, Laney Ventrice has been out for a while now. And also, for some, I don't know if it's an injury, but McKinley Ferguson uh, did not play this past weekend. Um, after Friday's win against UNA, I've got some uh, Keith Shunzel quotes. Uh, he's always keeping us entertained and informed. So I will uh, give a couple uh, short quotes. So after UNA, uh, when we won three sets to one, uh, we've been through a little bit in the last few weeks. I think we're slowly but surely getting a little tougher. I think we're slowly but surely getting a little tougher and figuring out we're still a really good ball team despite some of the challenges we faced. I challenged the team several times tonight, and we responded really well, especially at the start of the uh, fourth set. I'm proud we played harder tonight and pretty well at times. And that's that wasn't me stuttering. I'm pretty sure that was in the quote twice, if you noticed that. But uh, going on to uh, Sunday's quote from Coach Shunzel after the second win, a nice sustained focus and confidence by our team today. An excellent match by Courtney Brown. She did a really nice job of keeping us in rhythm and spreading the ball around. I'm really proud of our team for staying the course here and finding a way to get some positive momentum back. We have a lot left to play for and a lot left in the tank. Uh, A-Sun honors Manu, Manu Johnson, uh, A-Sun player of the week. Courtney Brown, uh, setter of the week. Uh, up next this weekend are a pair of road games against Lipscomb and Austin P in Tennessee. And it's really nice to hear Coach Sunzel have nice things to say after struggling for a few weeks there. Uh, on some football news, uh, if you guys are paying close attention to Twitter or X, but I'm still going to call it Twitter, um, we have a, we had a game scheduled in 2025 against Missouri State that has been uh, canceled. I assume this has something to do with the move up to Conference USA. And also from at uh, FB schedules on Twitter has broken news with this tweet. I quote, Tennessee State has bought out the second game of their home and home football series with Tennessee State that was scheduled for September 21st, 2024 in Nashville. KSU will pay Tennessee State 150000 for the cancellation per the terms of the agreement. So we don't have to go back up there and do a return trip. I'm fine with that. Uh, hopefully that means we have some better games lined up on the horizon. Um, and wrestling news, um, Ron Breaker, KSU alum, is set to take on, I believe he's Von Wagner's manager, Mr. Stone, at Halloween Havoc after Mr. Stone challenged him last night on NXT. Even though I am a wrestling geek, there is such thing as too much wrestling, and I am pretty brand loyal to AEW. So I just watch the Braun Breaker segments online and read the recaps. So if you're super into it, uh, check out NXT on Tuesday nights, I believe USA. Uh, got some softball commitments here. Uh, Addison Smith, a 2025 middle infielder, outfielder from Noonan High School, uh, committed this past week. And Savannah Franchiser, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. I kind of just want to say Francoeur. A 2025 catcher slash corner infielder from Social Circle High School also committed. So uh, got two there from, I guess, a similar part of town, I think. Um, got some KSU baseball commits as well. Uh, got a commitment first from uh, 6'3", 175 left-handed pitcher, Jaden Somerville. He's a 2024 graduate from Florida, Lake Highland Prep, who reclassified to 2025. Uh, so he said on his commitment note that he's going to take a gap year 
Uh, it seems like he's young for his class. Who's going to take a year off instead of going to a prep school or, you know, red shirting or something in college. He's going to perfect his craft, hit the weights before getting on campus, which works for everybody. Uh, Kennesaw State Baseball has also gotten a commitment from Corey Berry, a middle infielder who played his high school ball at, I believe, East Paulding High School. Uh, he will play his second year this year at Wallace Dothan Community College. He's a slick fielding uh, middle infielder. I'm not sure if he can play corner infield, but he does need to add some uh, strength to his frame, I believe. But other than that, he will hopefully be pretty good for us, uh, especially considering that Isaac Bouton, our current third baseman, is a one-and-done player due to eligibility. Uh, and some more baseball news, I had the chance to go to Georgia Tech this past weekend for the 12-inning scrimmage between the Owls and Georgia Tech, which Kennesaw State won 7-5. to It was actually a pretty exciting game, uh, all things considered, for being an exhibition. We were down 5-4 going into the top of the 12th, which was the last inning, uh, when Nick Hassan drew a game-tying walk. Uh, Jake Streeter, Owls backup outfielder. Uh, put a single into right field, scoring the go-ahead runs to make it 7-5. Uh, Streeter was my personal pl- personal player of the game after making a sliding catch in the 10th inning as well on a foul ball to the to the side of the wall. Um, left fielder Jamari Brooks and third baseman Isaac Bouton hit homers for the Owls. Newcomer Nate Anderson drew two walks and stole a base in his debut. Uh, Kennesaw State ran out 12 pitchers who each completed one inning exactly. I would classify this as definitely a success because even though there were hiccups and we gave up a few runs, each pitcher managed to get out of their own mess and didn't require any bullpen help, which I'd like to note that Georgia Tech's pitcher in the 12th inning when they lost, they had to go to the bullpen to get out of that inning. Uh, Finally, I would like to note uh, the Kennesaw State Baseball Analytics account posted the 12 pitchers' top velocities. Um, Each of the pitchers, as I said, threw one inning apiece. Each pitcher hit 90 miles per hour, which is a pretty refreshing change if you saw the Owls play, you know, a couple years back. Um, I'll read off the uh, what they topped out as according to the TrackMan results from uh, Georgia Tech's official TrackMan Stadium gun. Uh, Tanner Franklin, 95. Braden Osbolt, 95. Daniel Powell, 95. Ryan Renfro, 94. Hudson Mims, 93. Tyler Franks, 93. Nate Sliver, uh, Blake Ida, Caden Carroll, Bo Rudy all hit 92. Uh, Brody Meeks hit 91, and everyone knows Smith Pinson uh, hit 90 miles per hour. But his specialty is his change anyway. So, you know, Uh, we got some basketball news switching gears. Uh, We have an event uh, tonight, Thursday night, October 19th, starting at 7, free admission. Uh, It will be, I believe, a joint effort between the men's and women's basketball programs. We'll have a three-point contest, dunk contest, uh, scrimmages, that kind of thing. I'm sure I've mentioned it before a couple weeks ago. And we also have the all-conference teams released for women's and men's basketball and the the preseason rankings and coaches' polls. So women's basketball the uh, and the coaches' poll, they ranked uh, fifth with receiving 84 votes, contrasting that to FGCU, who finished first with 10 first-place votes and 142 points overall. In the women's media poll, Kennesaw State also finished fifth with 278 points. To contrast, FGCU finished first with 500 points and 38 first place votes. And I imagine that's unanimous, if not close to it, because they are 
FTCU is a beast. Uh, women's basketball did not have any players on the conference all conference team. On the men's side, the preseason coaches poll, uh, Kennesaw State uh, finished first overall. I'm sorry, uh, fourth <laughs> overall. With I was looking at the first place vote next to Kennesaw State's name. So we, we wish. Did, yes, we wish. It's it's my subconscious thinking. Uh, so we did get a first place vote. We finished with 103 points overall. Uh, and third place was Stetson with 105 points. Second place, FGCU with 106. And in first place with eight first place votes was Eastern Kentucky with 140 points. So there's a 37 point discrepancy between us and the first place team and a three point discrepancy between us in fourth place and FGCU in second place. So, uh, And we also have the preseason media poll. Uh, Kennesaw State is actually ranked second here. Uh, we finished with six first place votes with 444 points overall. And East Ken East Eastern Kentucky got 32 first place votes and uh, 552 points overall. So they're still a high favorite in the uh, media poll as well. Uh, just for note, Lipscomb finished uh, 12 points behind us in the media poll with 432. And then FGCU got two first place votes, finishing fourth with 382 points. And finally, we got a couple things to go over here. The preseason All-A-Sun team consists of uh, Terrell Burden. He was one of three unanimous players to make All-A-Sun this year. So congratulations uh, to Terrell Burden. And just a quick side note, Ken Pomeroy ranks the Owls uh not ranks, sales, ranks every college basketball team before every season i have no idea what formula he uses but ksu is ranked uh 223 which i believe would be unfortunately last in conference usa and uh eighth in the a sun so i'm not sure what metrics he uses but i don't i do not approve uh kai what are your initial thoughts on the preseason teams and all of that kind of stuff yeah, so just to start uh ken palmer right uses the ken palm method which i am not going to be Pretending that I am smart enough to understand, but he's got his own system. Um, hopefully he's underselling us. I think it's interesting to see the change between this year and last year where um, the coaches gave us more respect than the media did. And now this year we've got the media picking a second while the coaches have, have us down at fourth. Um, we did get a first place vote, but so did Austin P and North Florida. So, you know, take that as you will. Uh, that was probably Petway. <laughs> um, really glad can, to can see the coaches vote for themselves, Kai. I don't know if you can vote for yourself. absolutely. I, I believe absolutely you can. Yeah. Um, same thing in college football. That's why, you know, if you look at the college football coaches poll, you'll see, you know, James Madison get, you know, a top 25 vote every week or whatever. Um, but anyways, uh, Terrell Burden, really good to see him get the respect that he deserves um, after maybe a few years of him kind of being in the shadow of Chris Youngblood as far as just media hype um, when it comes to Kennesaw State. So after the year he had, uh, great to see him get recognition, but DeMond Robinson was absolutely shafted. I think it's ridiculous to say that he's not an all-conference type player, um, but he, you know, he'll have a chance to prove the media wrong this year. So uh, very excited to start talking basketball with you, John, in just a few weeks. Um, it's starting to feel real. So I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah. And DeMond Robinson, as you mentioned, I think he also fell in the shadows of the others, you know, not being a central focal point of the offense. And as well, you know, he does have or did. He, I, I saw him, you know, some pictures of him and he looks to be in great shape. So I'm hoping that he can play 30 minutes a game and stay out of foul trouble. That's also going to help and factor into, you know, any kind of postseason honors, as well as it'll factor into his ability to earn money and marketability playing pro at the next level, wherever that may be. So DeMond has some things to prove. Um, 
I think the preseason coaches poll, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're being knocked down there because, you know, they probably pay more close attention than the media does, especially some of the media. And they see, you know, oh, Youngblood's gone, Stroud's gone, Jennings is gone. And, you know, they probably knocked us a little bit more than the than the media did. So that could be one reason why. Right. And at the end of the day, you know, preseason rankings mean nothing. Um, yep. This just is fun. not something to get. Yeah, it's just fun. Just uh, I, if anything, I'm a little surprised and I'll I'll take it. Um, we cannot say that we're being slept on by the media. I think it's a little generous to have a second, given all the outside noise and everything that's happened over the offseason. I think we're going to be really solid this year, and I think we're going to contend for the conference title. Um, that being said, I would not be offended or pissed off if we were at four or five this year. Um, the women's team being at five after you know the history they've had um, and the trajectory they're on is really, really encouraging. Um, so I'm excited to see them play this year. Talking about Demond, uh, he needs to be a star this year. I mean, that's the expectation. If you know we don't put it together this year and we finish fourth or fifth in conference, like I said, it's not the end of the world, and we'll still be very optimistic about the Petway era. Um, but if we want to contend for a conference championship this year, Demond needs to be one of the best players in the conference. So, pressure's yeah. on him. And another thing, I again, I don't know if Jason Holt is eligible. Um, I that dude is a player, and I think he has you know, all conference written all over him. If not, you know, if not this year, then next year, I think he'll be approaching that area. So if he's not eligible to play this year, you know, and again, we don't have these answers, so it's impossible to say, right. That could swing, you know, people were had informed information, like people don't, you know, live or die by these rankings. It's not like a conference committee or something entering the tournament. Like it's just, Hey, uh, Joe Schmo drinking a root beer over there in the corner at Stetson university. Uh, you know, what do you think? And right. uh, or, hey, Mr. Marietta Daily Journal guy, you know, what do you think about these teams? Uh, OK, let me just look at the standings from last year. And oh, OK, that guy left. All right. Move that guy up one. You know, there's no scientific method behind it. Again, it's just for fun. We still like doing it. And, you know, we still want our owls to be ranked highly because why the hell not? Absolutely. Um, and Jusan Halt, like you said, he was a very, very good defender, even at the SEC level. And if he can figure out that jump shot of his because he really, really struggled both at Georgia and at Alabama, uh, he can be that prospect that he was marketed as coming out of high school. And, um, you know, when the lights are a little less brighter down in the A-Sun and the CUSA, uh, I think he can do that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think going forward, even if he's not eligible this year, he's going to be our marketable guy. So, yeah, I think Jason Holt is, uh, you know, I think his shot is going to come along and I think it is going to translate. I really do. Um, and I also, speaking of a marketable guy, I did see he got some kind of, local sponsorship deal or something i saw on instagram or something today with some like alkaline water company so you know funny you say that good for him good for him i remember last year we had the chris youngblood state farm commercials and that was about it so nil at ksu was young but uh you love to see it they got to make their bones somehow hell Um, i mean it's probably more than he got at uga and bama even with you know whatever collectives they had so yeah it's you know, it is what it is. We're, we're you know, as kind of we're going to talk about with uh, Carrot coming up here, a little tease. We're going to talk about the NIL and, you know, how we go about that and the financials. And I really do hope that they figure out a way to kind of make it even for schools of different sizes to at least compete. Um, there, I think there should be advantages from, you know, bigger schools, perhaps. But, you know, it can't be like, OK, if you go to, you know, school number one, you get this guy's going to get like five hundred thousand dollars, and then if you go to school number two, you know you get nothing. You know what I mean? I think there should be right. some way to rein it in that's fair to everyone. It just nothing's going to be you know 
nobody's going to have that answer on what's fair to everyone. Everyone's going to have a different opinion and that's going right. to be controversial. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the issue that, that you know, comes up there is cheating. <laughs> you know, I mean, you might level the playing field to the naked eye, but there's always going to be stuff going on under the table still is always has been. Um, it's tricky. It's hard to avoid, but it is what it is. But yeah, if you can, you know, if you can, you know, impose rules on it, you know, you know, hopefully teams will try and abide by it. They won't. But, you know, if you have rules on it, it'll make them easier to catch that kind of stuff. And you will probably just get a slap on the wrist. Nobody's going to do anything about it. But you never know. I just wish there were some kind of, you know, rules in place to at least expose some teams that don't want to, you know, play by the rules. Right. So, uh, and finally, we have one other bit of conversation. Um, the I just found out this week, actually, that starting in September, the A-Sun Conference, it is now acceptable to call them the Atlantic Sun again. Um, and as if you don't know, in I think January 2021, the A-Sun came out on Twitter and strongly said, we're not the Atlantic Sun anymore. No, we're not. And even the commissioner from A-Sun, from the A-Sun, Ted, uh, Ted Gumbert or something like that, I call him Teddy Gumballs. That's what I've always called him just because it's a fun name. And uh, Teddy Gumballs basically, you know, ratted out the schools that did that. He's basically like, okay, if anybody sees this, tweet it at me. So I just tweeted him, hey, you know what? This school is still calling it the Atlantic Sun. You need to get on them. And dude was all in, like some, like that guy, man, that guy. But um, <laughs> it was it was a fun time. I, I was making fun of it at the time because like, okay, if we're the A-Sun now. We're not the Atlantic Sun. What the hell does that stand for? Like other conferences, Southeastern Conference, SEC, A-Sun. Are we going to like just pretend it's nothing? It's just like, is A-Sun a word? Because it's not. Are we looking at A-Sun in the sky? Um, I did a uh, Urban Dictionary search in January 2021 and found out that A-Sun or A-Sun or A-Sun is actually an underground rapper in Seattle. So um, maybe that's what we were referring to, but that's out of our area. Uh, but I'm just, you know... I just think it's ridiculous. Two and a half years later, they they subtly change it back. No big announcement this time. Wait, um, wait, wait. I got a question. So yeah. is is Mr. Asun, is that one guy or is that a term that applies to an underground rapper from Seattle? I think it's just one guy. Okay, so who has more monthly listeners, us or uh, uh, Mr. Asun? <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a good question. I feel like it's, it's got to be close, right? Well, this episode, you know, we might get, uh, it might be Asun, but, you know, those, uh, Football shows after everybody's angry and stark raving mad, you know, they, you might have to give it to us. That's our new biggest competitor. Um, yeah, I think it's dumb. I'm going to throw out all integrity and professionalism since we're leaving the conference. It's stupid. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad it's back to the Atlantic Sun, but it, I don't understand it from a branding standpoint. Uh, I guess it shortens it. You know, I mean, you had the abbreviation before, like who cares? Uh, probably had something to do with them uh, deciding to launch the the football conference but still it's stupid i'm glad they're back but also i don't really care because you know we're out yeah. so they can yeah. do whatever the hell they want <laughs> it's and, over and, and teddy gumballs uh you know he was trying to be interactive with fans on uh twitter a couple years ago and he's like anybody ask me a question or whatever i'm at the airport or something like that ask me anything i said what does a sun stand for he never replied so um <laughs> You know, that fun times, fun times. I'm also glad it's back. It is the Atlantic Sun to me. It will be the Atlantic Sun forever. Well, until the league folds, probably in a couple of years. But it will be the Atlantic Sun in all eternity on Wikipedia pages when we look back in the past in the history books. Yeah, because, you know, Central Arkansas is close enough to the Atlantic. 
<laughs> Anyways. Exactly. Oh. Conference USA, we can shoot, we can go for like Hawaii. Let's bring Hawaii into this thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're connected to the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, Close exactly. enough. Well, yeah. no, so they're Conference USA. They're part of the US. Oh, yeah, that's true. Just no Canadian schools and we're good. What about Alaska? Um, They do have D2 basketball up in Alaska. So we can move them. Maybe they maybe they want to make the jump. If UWG can do it, uh, University of Alaska Anchorage can, I'm sure. Um, With that all being said, um, here is our interview with Carrick, uh, KSU donor. Please tell us what you guys think, and if it's something you guys y'all would like to hear more of in the future. Hey, uh, pause. With that all being said, we will lead into our interview with Mr. Carrick Martin, the KSU Donor and Alumni Association Vice President. A lot of good stuff surrounding the athletic department and the future of the administration. Listeners of the Owl Chat Podcast, we have a very special guest on for you this week. I am here, as always, joined by my partner and co-host, John Finer. John, why don't you go ahead and tell the guests, or tell the listeners, rather, about our guest today. Yes, our guest is Mr. Carrick Martin. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, and there's so much stuff about Carrick, there's no way you know all of this, but uh, he is a KSU donor, a KSU Hall of Famer, class of 2017 for his philanthropic uh, efforts. He currently serves on the Kennesaw State University Athletic Association Board, serves as vice president of the KSU Alumni Association. He is an ex-officio trustee of the KSU Foundation. He serves on the board at the OWL Collective and on the Cobb Schools Foundation. He is director of statewide engagement at Georgia's own credit union. Also, he's the incoming chairman of the Deacons at Roswell Street Baptist Church and co-owner of Dogwood Golf Club in Austell. Somehow, between all of that, Carrick has made time to speak to us today. Uh, how are you doing today, Carrick? I'm doing great. It's a wonderful day and ready for the weekend. Yeah, me too. Me too. Did I uh, did I miss anything, Carrick? Or did I got uh, it all? Uh, not not that I can remember. So. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So Carrick's going to uh, you know talk to us today about a lot of the stuff that people really want to see or hear about. Um, we, we have a lot of infrastructure junkies and people that love to know, you know, not just on the on court and on field stuff. That's kind of me and Kai's thing, what's going on on the court with the recruiting, all of that. But Carrick has that, uh, behind the scenes access to really give you guys the scoop of what's going on. Where is the money going? What are things looking like in the future for Kennesaw State Athletics? Uh, and we're going to talk about that big $200 million project that you guys have seen uh, floating around on uh, Twitter, if you uh, live on there. Uh, so I'll swing it to Kai to start the interview. Right. Yeah. And first of all, I'd love to say uh, thank you, Carrick, for joining us once again. Um, before we get into some of the deeper stuff, including this fundraiser and just other administrative stuff that, you know, um, John may or may not know about. Same here. Um, I want to talk to you, Carrick, about the basketball program from this past year. Just from your perspective, as somebody who's been around forever for basically the entire history of the program, what was it like seeing uh, that team grow and develop into what it was last year and then just seeing more and more people in the building every single night? Uh, it, it was pretty gratifying. And let, let me clarify, I've been uh, around the basketball and following basketball since we went Division One. I. I wasn't involved when we were Division Two, So um, they started basketball, what, 88, I think? 
Um, I believe that's so, correct. Yeah, you know, they were still using the gym at that time that we used at the junior college in 1974, 75, 76, and I didn't want to sit on wooden bleachers. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, what was your favorite moment from last year? Uh, I think just beating Liberty uh, and winning the conference championship and going to March Madness, it was all kind of stunning. Uh, I wanted this to happen all along thought it would happen much sooner but uh finally 17 years of being a season ticket holder paid off <laughs> absolutely all right let's talk about this fundraising campaign a little bit during the fundraising campaign case you announced that it was increasing the campaign goal from 125 million to 200 million following the overwhelming success of the private phase which began in 2019 the university raised 120 million during the first phase thanks to contributions from lead donors who propelled ksu from the private phase to the public phase $200 million is obviously a significant number, but may but it may be hard to be put into perspective for a lot of fans. So to ask simply, how big of a deal would hitting that goal be for the growth of this athletic department? And and to go into detail uh, as much as you can, um, just what is that money going to be spent on for those who aren't aware? Well, uh, that $200 million campaign is, if you notice, it says comprehensive. And that covers all aspects of the university, anywhere from uh, scholarships and programs, um, whether it's with the Ray Dow School, the Humanities, or the Coles College. Uh, but it does include some uh, building uh, for athletics, of which uh, the baseball stadium was part of that. And that was part of the quiet phase. And um, so it's... Um, it's it's an overall encompassing project. They did add uh, athletics to it, and there's about a $30, $35 million ask in there, uh, which $12 million is for the baseball stadium, so they've already achieved that. Uh, but they want to build an athletic training facility uh, over by the football stadium or Fifth Third Stadium, um, which will be just east of the stadium on one of those practice fields. Uh, what that will allow is uh, their facilities east of I-75. They have the weight room, the meeting rooms, the coaches' offices. Um, and then they have to, uh, once the team gets there and gets ready, they go over in buses over to um, the sports park over there and then go to the football uh, practice fields. Uh, all of that. All those logistics cost between two and three hours a week of, of time, and that time comes off their practice time. So it's extremely important that we get this facility built so they can do their training, uh, they can do their strength and conditioning, the football coaches, and they all be in one facility there within uh, 100 yards of the stadium and 100 yards of the practice fields. So that will give them additional time of practice each week and um, – It'll also be a showcase facility for us to show uh, recruits, uh, uh, sponsors, um, have receptions there, things like that. So uh, it's very important that we achieve these goals. Uh, they've told me uh, I'm looking for my email from Lance Burchett, who's over the uh, the foundation. And uh, sometime in this conversation, I ho hope we can go over what the role of the uh, foundation is uh, so that um, – now is a good time. Why not? Okay. Right now? All right. The foundation, KSU Foundation, is set up to uh, help uh, the school achieve its objectives. 
So um, it does serves multiple pur purposes right now. Uh, for instance, my wife and I gave money to the Martin and Parish Family uh, Scholarship, which benefits men's basketball. Uh, we gave $100,000 over the course of 10 years. The foundation has that money and it invests it. Uh, and they set certain rules on how much can be dispersed out of it in any year. And they take care of it. It's grown to about $135,000 right now. And yet they've been dispersing about 3.5% of that money to the basketball team over the, the 10 to 15 years it's been going on. So uh, that's one thing that they they do is they manage the endowments uh, for the university scholarships. Uh, again, that total corpus of the money they manage is about 100 to $120 million. So um, that is small by foundation standards uh, across the, uh, the nation, but we're a very young university and we're working to, to, to grow that. Uh, I think Liberty, it give you, an, for instance, has a billion dollar endowment. So you can see that spends off a lot more money each year than our endowment. What we do have going for us uh, through the KSU Foundation is uh, the foundation was able to, uh, has been able to borrow money and build student housing on campus. So they, they enter into a, an agreement with the university. They build a lot of the housing. I won't say it's all the housing. Uh, they build a lot of the housing on campus and um, that spins off some money uh, to the foundation from, you know, the rents they receive are greater than the debt service. Of course, they have to save money for um, uh, maintenance and things like that. But that uh, cash flow currently generates enough money equivalent to a $200 million endowment. So that that is a good thing. Uh, the only problem with that is once a um, uh, building phase or program is done such as the uh, name any one of the dorms that might have been built by them that property that dorm reverts back to the university is gifted back to the university by the foundation so that cash flow doesn't continue always so that that's two primary uh, objectives of the university uh, of the foundation they employ development officers that help with each school and department within the university uh, such as for athletics it's stephanie clemens and greg gilbert um, for instance uh, for the college of computer science and engineering uh, it's will mckenna um, for the school of education it's kevin soderman uh, for coles college it's alicia english and laura southern so they employ all that, and those people are in charge of going out and finding donors and uh, finding out what the donors want. Some donors want to donate to programs, such as um, uh, there's the Doug Shore College of uh, Entrepreneurial Program. Uh, so that's not exactly a scholarship. It's not exactly um, a, a dorm. So the the foundation helps with that. And... Um, so that's the type of stuff that the foundation does. It's an all-encompassing organization that supports uh, KSU. Now, the trick to this is uh, with the young alumni base that KSU has, we need to find donors from outside the school. Uh, and uh, we have found some people that have been very generous to us, like a gentleman named Mike Levin, um, Levin School of Hospitality, and uh, 
Norman and Lindy Radow, uh, the Radow College of Humanities, uh, the Bagwells, the Bagwell College of Education, uh, Michael Coles, Coles College of Business. They have all donated extraordinary amounts of money. Of course, schools got named for them. Uh, buildings get named, such as Prilliman Hall, uh, from these donors. Uh, and uh, most of these donors are from outside KSU. Uh, one of the exceptions is uh, the primary donor for the baseball program uh, to build the stadium is Mickey Dunn, who Mickey is a Southern Poly alumnus and um, um, has donated all, all the, not all the money, a large portion of the money, I think between four and six million dollars for the new stadium. So uh, we had another gentleman, uh, the Brown family. Uh, who was involved, I want to say, with Intel or Cisco, donated $10 million just to match other gifts that come to the university. So we've been very successful with that. But with our young alumni base, we have to uh, work on developing alumni donors for the future. And that's where the Alumni Association comes in. And that's part of my coordination efforts between athletics and alumni and the foundation. I, I hope that helps. So part of the... Uh, 30 uh, the 200 million dollar campaign is 30 to 35 million for athletic buildings and uh again baseball's done we'll start next spring on the construction of that and then we have the um the oh i can't even remember what the name of it is now but um they're calling it the training facility which will be the bigger building uh and i believe that's about 25 to 28 million and i think they also want to do a smaller building uh, for sports medicine. So that may be a little bit lower priority than the, the training building. Okay. Okay. So we went into a little bit of detail on the football training building, right? Uh, let's go into yeah. a little bit of detail on the baseball stadium. I mean, we've, we've seen diagrams, we've read a few sentences on, you know, what it's going to involve, you know, we've seen some, you know, the big pictures of Mickey T Dunn stadium out front. Can you kind of tell us, you know, just people that might not know, so kind of give it, start it from the bottom, but you know, what is the stadium $12 million build for baseball? What's it going to look like when it's done? It looks like they're going to expand the current stadium, correct? And go from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, um, and the university system of Georgia board of regents has very specific rules on what you can say. Uh, this is called a reconstruction or, uh, a redevelopment. That's I think that's what they call it. We can't say we're tearing it down and building a new stadium. We have to use their phrase. So uh, just couch it with the air quotes. When you hear that, that is a basically a brand new stadium on the same location. Uh, they want to build it big enough so that we can hold it NCAA regional for baseball. Uh, I don't know what other activities we may hold in there, but um, they they do have plans that they want to make this a, a stadium that is used uh, for multiple purposes, for baseball-related purposes, I guess. It will be artificial turf, uh, which will be unique among the major colleges in Georgia. So they have a company working on donating that. So they may already have a commitment on that. You know what went into that decision to use artificial turf? The drainage on that field is very poor. Uh, if you notice, the baselines are grass, and they use that um, – to help suck up water out of the the ground there so oh, okay so i assume they're gonna you know fix you know it sounds looks like they're gonna build up the press box into something much nicer a lot more yes. room up there more seating um 
you know, probably a bigger concession stand, kind of re- rebuild all of that stuff when you walk into the stadium. Um, yes. Bullpens as well, I'm sure, are going to get revamped. Yeah, the whole thing will be a, um, a total redo. So anything that we can do to make the stadium uh, top-notch and impress the recruits uh, will be done. So I know that uh, two donors that are trustees, Chris and Debbie Pike, have given money so that we can have a concessions plaza um there's money being given for entrance ways uh i've got four seats uh i'm still got some money to give on some other things for the stadium but um you know it will be a top-notch facility we are excited about that and the uh you know the 120 million of the private phase that's all free to be spent starting immediately correct well, that 120 million, you got to realize, is not going. All of it's not going to athletics. That's yes, going yes. to various areas. So it's overall, and it's, yeah, and that's just uh, committed money. Not all of it's come in. So, uh, but for the baseball stadium, they are moving ahead, and they have commitments and uh, are good on that. What do you think the timeline is for the, uh, you know, the baseball stadium in terms of? Because if you're start, I assume they're going to start immediately after the season. And then they're going to go until what you know, whenever it takes. What what do you think the construction is going to look like on that? Is that something you're privy to? Uh, what I'm told is they will start immediately after the season, uh, after the spring, and uh, they will just hurry as much as they can. Uh, I don't know what happens if they don't get it ready for the beginning of the 25 season. Um, we will see what will happen, but uh, we do have Lake Point up the road if. Um, we need to play early season games up there. Is my that's me talking, not anybody in the athletic department. <laughs> That'd yes. Be something. Yes. And uh, what would you say is a realistic timetable for hitting that uh, two hundred million dollar uh, goal? They're planning to have that done in their main uh, three years. Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, so with the recent success of the men's basketball program, since you're close to it all, are you starting to see a shift in not only investment, but also identity within an athletic department that's gone from priding itself on kind of an under the radar, but really solid baseball program to a really successful FCS football program and now a title winning basketball program? Well, um, having been around for a long time, I've been through several athletic administrations. Um, I think the first one I was around really prided themselves on success. Um, not only with, uh, um, uh, 2004 men's basketball, but several baseball championships, several softball championships, several track championships. Um, a uh, men's golfer that was a national champion at division two level, um, back in the early nineties, um, they, they really prided themselves on succeeding at that level, but that's when we were in the peach belt conference. Um, we were five or 6,000 students at school at the time and the infrastructure to raise money, to, uh, create all the athletic programs and build all the stadiums and the facilities we have now was not in place. Um, and that's where Vaughn Williams came in. He helped, uh, change that. Um, and, uh, you know, changed the direction, got football started. The school bought the 88 acres where the uh, stadium is and the, the practice fields and the sports park back there. That was a major purchase by the KSU Foundation. Um, they had to issue bonds through the um, 
Board of Regents to buy that land, but it does benefit the university. So um, all that infrastructure had to get in place. It's not a mat matter of waving a magic wand. Um, it's not a matter of one athletic director wanting to do something. The president says, oh, yeah, let's do it. Then you have to trot down to downtown Atlanta and go see the chancellor and the regents uh, and all that infrastructure down there and administrators uh, and get that done. So everything that's been done has been a multi-year conversation. Um, nothing has been done quickly. Um, sometimes uh, KSU has been in great favor with the Board of Regents, and sometimes we have not been in great favor with the Board of Regents. But, um, you know, things have gotten done. Um, I can go back in politics to the mid-'80s when Tom Murphy was Speaker of the House in the Georgia uh, legislature, and he used to refer to Kennesaw State as uh, that Republican school up there. And um, he was a Democrat, so he didn't allocate a lot of money. So, um, you know, we've had to fight political, I won't say battles, but struggles. Um, things are in a good place now, um, and we are moving forward. Uh, I will say this. Um, I don't know when you're going to get into the conference change, but. Um, oh, right now, actually, I got those. Okay. The those conference change, uh, I think, and the notes uh, that y'all sent me, and I sent y'all some notes back. Um, uh, th this was going to happen for a while. We were the biggest university with 43,000 students, now 45,000 students um, in um, FCS football. Um, so we were kind of busting out at the top. And um, so this is something that really needed to happen. But, yeah, we still have some infrastructure things that have to go on. Um this is not just a decision made by athletics. This is a decision made by, again, by the university system and the administration at KSU. Um, coming up in a couple of years uh, related to the 2007-2008 recession is something called uh, an enrollment cliff. People stopped having children in 2008 and 2009, so we have a problem nationally uh, with the number of students that will be enrolling in college in the next few years. Uh, hence, they call it the enrollment cliff. And um, it has already impacted some schools in the university system. Uh, some schools have declining enrollment. Um, KSU is fortunate we do not. And um, part of that is we've added athletics and gotten greater attention. Awareness creates value. And um, again, Georgia is also the eighth largest, most populous state in the country. And uh, the regents need to develop universities besides tech in Georgia. Uh, so Georgia Southern, Georgia State, and Kennesaw are part of that plan. All universities, obviously, um, they want to um, provide good education and grow and prosper. Uh, but that's why Kennesaw State became a research two institution, um, which means we receive a lot of grants and research money, which is something academically that's important. Um, you have to remember, too, that moving to a new conference, um, they don't want a rogue school that provides very poor academics and just runs people in and runs people out. The other university presidents don't think that's a fair playing field, pardon the pun. Um, and uh, so we have to show certain academic standards to be able to um, join some of these conferences. We were invited by Conference USA. Um, to join, which is a, a rare thing. Usually you have to petition a conference to join. 
Um, but, you know, look at the Advantage Conference USA. They get a, a thriving school, a good school academic, uh, good academics in a great TV market. So um, don't underestimate the power of the our location within the Atlanta SMSA um, as a reason that conferences would want us. I think I mentioned in my notes that um, years ago when we started uh, football that um, Vaughn Williams knew somebody that was in uh, the Big 12 office and as kind of a humorous, uh, hey, let's just show them we're starting football. They sent a letter to the Big 12 said, hey, we're starting football. And they, uh, Dr. Papp told me this, that they truly expected the Big 12 to pat us on the head and tell us to go away and come back when you're ready. Uh, but they continued to have conversations and um, the, the administration figured out they were interested in our TV market. Um, not that we were ever really going to join, but we got on their radar. Um, don't know with all the changes, what, what will bode in the future, but, um, people like the Atlantis, uh, TV market. So that being said, I given you a lot of answers of why uh, we're changing conferences. The enrollment cliff gives us better visibility. We'll get more applications, um, and, um, better yeah. research dollars. So. Those were great answers, Carrick. Uh, so I got some uh, follow-ups on that. Um, so you get a lot of access ahead of time just from serving on all the committees and the boards that you do. Um, I sort of, you know, not leaked, but like started the Conference USA rumors, I think, before I really saw anybody else posting it before ESPN. I think I was like a week ahead of all that. Once I started getting wind, I was like, you know what? There's a lot of smoke here. You know, I, I can't prove anything. So I have to kind of tweet this out as a rumor. You know, when did you start getting wind of like, hey, you know, this conference change is going to be coming up soon and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff? Uh, I was probably privy to um, that information maybe a few weeks before you were, John. Um, I was told we were just going to a group of five conference. Um, I did not know which one till the day of the announcement. Um, but I think I put in my notes, too, that uh, I think when Texas and Oklahoma announced they were joining the SEC and the rest of the conference changed um, – dominoes started to fall I, i'd put a post out on social media about a prairie dog looking up out of his prairie dog hole and uh, looking around and i said this is every university president in the country trying to figure out what their conference alignment is going to be in the future and um one of our senior administrators and not anybody in athletics but somebody in the know uh liked my post <laughs> so, <laughs> so i kind of said huh they are looking around trying to figure out where their place is in the future uh dr swag had uh heard her say that they thought that there was probably more risk in staying in the a sun in football of what that future was going to be than if they moved into conference usa um that they would i mean who who likes the united athletic conference or whatever that was and now the merge of the the two conferences, uh, I guess, A-Suns with the WAC, is that right? The um, A-Sun WAC in football and then in basketball, <clears throat> they're still separate, I believe. Yeah. So uh, they were worried about the direction of football at that level with the A-Sun. So um, they said there was there was risk with staying where we were. So, um, I, and once they said that, I, I, I tend to agree. So. Uh, what would, you know, what would you say to the people who say we moved up 
too soon. And there are people that say, you know, let's stay and dominate the FCS. You know, we moved up too soon. And my personal opinion is, you know, I'm glad we moved up. There might be some growing pains initially for a few years, but, you know, looking back on it, I think we had to do it. And I think that's, you know, the common, more, more common opinion. But what would you say to those that uh, say we moved up too soon? Uh, I say that they're not looking at the overhaul, overall comprehensive uh, needs of the university. Um, the university needs to have a growing stature. Uh, we don't need to be identified uh, in a subregion, the very small portion of the southeast. Uh, we need to start adopting a national stature. And, um, uh, you know, um, it, it's it takes a long-term vision to get the university where it needs to be in 20 to 30 years. And this is just part of it. And athletics is part of it is the front door, but uh, it will help all the rest of the departments and colleges and research and everything else in the university as we go along. Um, I, when we started football, you, if uh, I don't know if y'all are, are aware that they had a student body vote on this. Uh, and I got to talk to some students and I asked them, uh, have you ever heard of Stanford University? And everybody said, yeah, we've heard of Stanford University. I said, it's pretty good academic school, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good academic school. I then asked them if they'd ever heard of the University of Chicago. No, never heard of that. And I said, that's probably a better academic school than Stanford University. That's where they did the theoretical work on the atomic bomb. They had the first nuclear reaction was under their football stadium. Um, they used to be in the Big Ten, but they dropped out in the late 30s. So have you ever heard of them? And they go, no. And I said, well, do you think the hiring manager in Denver, Colorado has ever heard of Kennesaw State? And there's this, always this pause like, I don't know. Why would I worry about that? And I said, where are you going to be in 20 years? You don't know. You want some national reputation with your degree, and this will enhance it. And again, I think this move into Conference USA will enhance the value of all degrees earned from Kennesaw State. Right. And as far as national recognition goes, um, it can't be understated how big of a deal it's going to be just to have games on national TV through the week in all sports. <clears throat> so yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the Big 12, and I'm not saying – you know, that's where our eyes should be or where our eyes are. But we know the move to CUSA will be a major adjustment period across all sports. That being said, now that we'll be at or near the major conference level, depending on sport, how high is the ceiling for Kennesaw State Athletics and what might that look like in 20 to 30 years? Well, I, I, I say I'm telling people now that 18 years ago, we were in the Peach Belt Conference playing Francis Marion University. Uh, where we will be in 18 years, I don't know. Uh, I probably won't be around. Um, I'll be in uh, getting my reward uh, from from God, and uh, we'll see. But um, I, I think the ceiling is very bright for KSU. Um, you know, we still have some steps to take. I would like to see the university uh, endeavor to become a research one institution. Now they'll, they'll take 10 to 15 years, but. Uh, if you look at some of the bigger conferences, the Big Ten uh, and some of the SEC schools, they're in something called the AAU, which is American Association of Universities, which is the top academic schools. And, you know, they're real snobby about that. But, um, you know, 
they they wouldn't let us in because we're an R2 university now. They look down upon us. So I think we always need to strive and get better. But I think as we grow, uh, I won't say we'll ever join the SEC because I'm sure Georgia would block that because they won't play us in football. Um, even they'll spend millions of dollars to play people from out of state, but they won't spend a million dollars to play us in state. Um, you know, if you don't, if you, if you don't try, you don't get there. And, um, I, I do see us, um, being on a bigger stage somewhere in the next two decades. All so right. I'll, I'll depend on y'all to carry us forward on that. Well, we're going to do our best. Uh, Kai will, uh, after, after I'm gone, Kai will still be, uh, chugging on, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully change your diet, Kai. Um, no, uh, so you've probably heard about the, uh, $5 million fee, the changes to the rules for moving up from FCS to FBS. Everybody's saying that KSU got there before that took place. Can you confirm that KSU is not on the hook for 5 million? I can. Okay. Uh, well, let me just say, I've been told we're not. Awesome. That's that's what we're hoping for. And I doubt that played into the decision. That's just a, a lucky coincidence. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit about the uh, OWL Collective and NIL and maybe what it is and how listeners can help? Yeah, I can talk about that. I'm on the board of it. Uh, we are the name, image, and likeness organization for uh, KSU Athletics. We're not affiliated with the athletic department, uh, but I do tell them what's going on. Uh, our goal is to raise money so that we can pay our student athletes. Uh, we have two ways to do it. People can just generally give money to the Owls Collective and say, I want to support basketball, and then we'll divvy it up. Uh, or I want to support player X in basketball. We can make that happen. Uh, you can give just general money, $25 a month. I think we have a giving campaign through our, uh, through our website and, um, we can do that. If you want to give money to a hammer thrower on the track team, uh, we can handle that for you. Uh, we can also facilitate, uh, our athletes getting, um, um, endorsement deals with, uh, businesses and, um, we'll help them get connected and do that for a small fee. So, um, we are, we are trying to raise money. Uh, we have been in contact with, uh, the appropriate persons in the, uh, athletic department. Um, not that we're supposed to have a great amount of dialogue, but we also don't want to go, uh, tripping over ourselves and messing up a, a good thing in a locker room. And, um, so we, we do try to be sensitive and aware of that. And I, I have seen some, you know, players get some small time, you know, endorsements. Like I've seen village burger with a football player, that sort of thing. So it is, it is happening out there. Um, yeah. you know, the owl collective, can you tell everyone the website if they want to donate? Uh, it's owls, O W L S collective. I think it's org. So, um, you asked me a question. I didn't know the answer to. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out and yeah. we'll it out after this comes out. So that's not a, that's not a worry there. Um, so, um, as far as conference USA goes and NIL goes, you know, we're moving up. So instead of being one of probably the, you know, the more fancier options in the A Sun, you know, Kennesaw State is probably looked at more favorably than Queens, uh, North Alabama, Stetson, perhaps a lot of the lower schools in terms of the ath athletics. Um, 
now we are going, and that's not actually Stetson, yeah, middle of the road, but better location. Now we're going to be moving up to team to schools that have more money than us. Um, and probably I imagine most schools in Conference USA have more money than us, number one, and have more NIL than us. Um, you said we're a young school. Absolutely. When do you think we're going to be, you know, able to um, even that out uh, with NIL and other needs compared to other schools in Conference USA? Uh, I don't have a great answer for that. I don't know. Um, it's going to take us several years, obviously. But uh, we had a board meeting uh, this week. I wasn't able to attend. But, you know, we're looking at ways of raising money beyond just uh, John, give us 50 bucks or um, Joe, business owner, give us uh, 10,000 bucks. And, um, you know, we, we ran into a difficulty. The IRS will not allow collectives to be tax deductible. So um, as an individual, if you give above the standard deduction amount, um, that is not a deductible contribution. Uh, but a business can deduct it as marketing expense. So that's one way we have to go. We're also looking at trying to private label some items, um, maybe some coffee, maybe some barbecue sauce, some things like that, um, that we can sell through our website and get, you know, a few pennies here, a few pennies there. Um, the um, the Owls live show that happens every Wednesday night at uh, Miller's Ale House uh, gives a certain percentage of their ad revenue to the collective. Um, so y'all support that. Um and, uh, you know, we're just looking at ways to raise money. Uh, I would like it to be on a sustainable model rather than having to come with my hand out saying, y'all, please give me money. We need to meet this for the basketball team for this year or the football team. So I, I will tell you that uh, we anticipate the uh, needs uh, for the Owls Collective um, to meet everything that the coaches want us to do right now is a mid six figure amount every year uh i have to admit that we're i have suggested that we need to hire a professional fundraiser that's because it's beyond our board i think um and so uh that's part of my task is to figure that out so, so just based on things like location market and infrastructure would you say that kennesaw state is at a comparative advantage as far as nil goes just you know when it comes to different businesses in the Atlanta area supporting, you know, rather than a school like, I don't know, um, central Arkansas, who's way out, you know, somewhere in the Ozarks. Uh, I would say that we do have a competitive advantage, but we have to remember this is a crowded market. There's Georgia state, Georgia tech, uh, university of Georgia. Um, uh, we have the Braves, uh, you know, we have the Hawks, we have the Falcons, uh, all clamoring for money just in the sports world. Um, other organizations clamor for money. We're not the focal point uh, of the athletic world uh, in this community. Uh, we're just uh, another player, and we have to work harder to achieve those goals. So um, uh, th that's where I think uh, if you're in Ruston, Louisiana, with Louisiana Tech, you're the you're the primo Mac Daddy in that area. Uh, you are competing against LSU down the road, but. You don't have a second school in the state, uh, I guess the University of Louisiana and Lafayette, uh, the, uh, the Raging Cajuns, uh, you might be competing against. But um, it's it's harder when you're not at the top of the hill and uh, you have to climb the side of the hill to get, get money. Uh, I think you mentioned you wanted to talk about a matching scholarship program. Can you kind of go into detail about what that is? 
Sure. Um, as you know, I, I mentioned that I did a scholarship earlier. Uh, I donated money over 10 years and uh, completed the scholarship. Um, I just did it. All the money came from me and my sister-in-law, and uh, we did it and got it done. There's a unique opportunity within the uh, this $200 million comprehensive campaign that we talked about that um, uh, there is matching money available to a scholarship. Typically, to get an endowed scholarship, you have to give $50,000. Um, the university uh, and the foundation have come up with a plan where if somebody wants to give $30,000, they will match $20,000 to achieve a $50,000 level. Um, and that way you can say this is for women's lacrosse or this is for a uh, student in the College of Engineering, uh, accounting student, and you can just say that. Or you can kind of cross-pollinate and say, I want somebody that is an education ma major and on an athletic team. And uh, you can do it that way. So the, the $30,000, I know that sounds daunting, but if you break it down, they will let you spread that out over five years. Uh, so you can do $500 a month for five years and achieve that $30,000 and you will have a scholarship. It will be the John Finer scholarship, or it could be the Kai Millett scholarship. I like the first one. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you might. Or John, you could contribute to Kai's scholarship too. Kai would yeah. like that probably. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you think about that, you can, you can do that. You can get your family members up. I, I think you could get a family member, five people giving a hundred dollars a month. Uh, that's painless. Um, well, I say that's painless, but uh, for a lot of people, that would be painless. But, you know, keeping everybody on track would be a good thing. But, you know, you can start a scholarship that way. Um, this is one way that I got, uh, I hate to say it, more attention than I should have. I was the first endowed athletic scholarship. They had never worked on that before. And I just happened in out of the blue. I met George Olney at a civic function. And, you know, the University of Georgia had been pounding their alumni for $150,000 for a scholarship. And I had a boss that had done that and he seemed to enjoy it. And I said, well, I think I'll do one for KSU because they might appreciate it more. And sure enough, they did. Um, and, you know, it's been a great investment for me personally. Um, it's been a way to get involved and uh, I'm thankful every day for it. I've given more money besides that. So, but anyway, yes, this is a program. You can give $30,000. they will match $20,000. you will have a permanently endowed scholarship, the, this finer scholar fund or something like that for um, journalism students or good-looking guys. I don't know. Whatever you think. That'll work. Either one will work. But uh, I'm not <laughs> – I will say I'm not a journalism student. Yeah, well, you, you do a lot of journalism for not being a journalism student. So. That's My true. Fault. That's true. And I have just one final question here. Um, so are there any other boards or organizations that we, ha that you, we haven't really touched on that you function on that you kind of just want to educate Owl Nation? You know, what do, what do they do? What function do you serve, Carrick? You know, how can people help KSU? Or have we kind of covered everything from uh, A to Z? I I would say this, um, for people that want to get involved, um, the Alumni Association, uh, KSU uh, hired a new alumni director a year and a half, two years ago, um, Frances Busey. She has been a, a godsend to us. Um, the University System of Georgia measures how many alumni give to their institutions. 
uh, and KSU was dead last a couple of years ago. Uh, less than 1% of our graduates gave to the school. Um, and that's one reason we have suffered in fundraising in the past. We did not do a good job of marketing and cultivating uh, alumni relationships. <clears throat> Excuse me. Francis has done a tremendous job. We're now up to 2%. Uh, I don't think we're last anymore, but we're certain in the bottom third of university systems. Uh, we need to get that to 4 or 5% um, to kind of get us on par with other schools. So I would encourage everybody to uh, get involved with the Alumni Association. Just giving $10 helps. So um, that will help um, get us our numbers of alumni givers up, which is what we need to do. So when you see that there's a Young Professional Society meeting, um, that's great. Love to have y'all come. Uh, when you see the, the marching band uh, alumni association, that's part of us. Uh, the Night Owls is a new one. Uh, people who served in the stadium uh, doing the um, help produce games and all those productions related to it. Uh, there's black alumni. There's a Latino alumni. Uh, we just need people to get involved with the alumni association and just learn about the school and um, stay active. And as we get active, as we get alumni that grow into their careers, uh, the money will come, but it takes a while. Yes, it does, especially in this economy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, that's all the questions that I have. Um, and, you know, I just want to shout out as well. Thank you so much, uh, Carrick, for joining us. But also thanks to one of my uh, Twitter followers. I'll just call him T-Mac. Uh, he really, uh, you know, gave me the idea and encouragement to, you know, get something like this on the air. There is a crowd of people that are very interested and kind of junkies to what's going on behind the scene. I can't say I'm one of them. So, you know, I probably did need the motivation to, you know, push along and to bring somebody like you on Carrick. And, you know, with the bye week coming up, I think this is going to be some, you know, great stuff. Uh, with that said, Kai, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I'm sure John gets a lot more of it, but I've gotten a ton of people just trying to, you know, ask me and figure out what's going on in regards to fundraising and other stuff. And I honestly have no idea. So really valuable insight. Um, thank you so much for joining us this early in the morning. Um, uh, podcast will go up hopefully either Wednesday or Thursday. So um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Carrick. Well, uh, I'm glad to come on, and I appreciate what you do. Part of our uh, overall need at the university is to build a community of fans around the athletic program. Um, alumni is part of that. Uh, Y'all are part of it. Al Hal is part of it, um, where people can uh, just come and learn about athletics and comment back and forth, and um, uh, the tailgates are part of it. We just need to build a big fan community, and I appreciate what y'all do to enhance that. Yes, and thank you so much, Carrick, not only for joining us today, but for all your efforts, donations. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you have time right now to deal with us when I read off your entire list of everything uh, going on. So again, we appreciate it. And uh, I hope you guys have a uh, great rest of the week. Thank you. And that was... KSU donor and vice president of the Alumni Association, Carrick Martin. Please let me know what you guys think and let us know if y'all would like to hear more of that sort of thing in the future. With that all being said, we will see you guys next week with more to talk about, including a football game. So everybody have a great week. We will talk to you then.
Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!